Acts chapter 16. And I want to tell you what's on my heart. And if the Lord, I, you know, I don't say what I'm going to preach the next three weeks. I mean, I may have sometime another, but I don't normally do that because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always know what I'm preaching. I, I come with uh, sometimes uh, three or four or five sermons, you know, and then sometimes you do know. But uh, I don't really just try to box myself into this. And I'm not against people that do that. I'm just saying I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I've been teaching a class, and, and through teaching that class, I'm going to tell you, God really, and just a number of other things. He's been dealing with my heart about uh, the church in this matter. And that is that um, we always preach salvation uh, but I want to take the next whatever time the Holy Spirit leads, and we'll always preach the gospel, you know that. But I just want to preach the next few Sundays, however the Lord leads me to do that, and I don't want that to hinder the service. You mind God, and I'll mind God. Don't worry about, uh, don't, wor- don't feel the pressure. But I'll tell you what's in my heart, is to just preach the next several Sundays the most simplest sermons on salvation. Amen. It's not anything you don't already know. But there's uh, people here that struggle with their salvation. I'm going to deal with that tonight, Lord willing. There's people here that struggle with their salvation. And then there's people here that don't even know how to be saved. People that visit in America. Can you believe that? In the South, there's people. Used to, they had a praying grandma or somebody that took them to Sunday school now and then. But we got a generation that don't know anything about how to be saved. And then we got children coming up who I commend every parent here. I thank God for these parents who are teaching your children the way of salvation. But I don't know why the Holy Spirit, I do, but I don't, he just really burdened my heart to do that these next few weeks. And I thank God for the souls that have been saved. And uh, I pray that the Lord will save others. And so I'm going to preach this morning from Acts chapter 16. And then tonight I'm going to preach a different passage from Acts chapter 16, both dealing with salvation, but you just come and worship God, amen. Uh, you know, I'm always afraid to announce that because I don't want it to kill the service, amen. Just come and worship God. All right. Didn't you enjoy that testimony? I mean, all these testimonies. Isn't that good to have that in church? I've been where you couldn't pay nobody to give a word of testimony. You know what? It gets graveyard dead when it gets like that. And it don't need to be a routine, amen. It needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, amen. And we certainly need that in this hour. If you're able to stand with us, Acts chapter 16 and verse number 27. The Bible says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Father, I ask you this morning in Jesus' name to take the word of God, the testimonies that's already been given, the songs, and use them this morning to save some sinner, to give some struggling saint the peace and assurance that they need this morning. I pray that you'd open our eyes and help us behold wondrous things out of thy law, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. You know, in Acts chapter 16, I think this is worthy of mentioning this morning. 
There are three great conversions in this chapter. Of course, every conversion is a great conversion. But in Acts chapter 16, it begins in verses 1 through 12 with a youth by the name of Timothy who becomes a son of the Apostle Paul in the faith. We know that Paul wrote to him in First and Second Timothy. But if you look at verse number 1, uh, Timothy uh, comes to know Christ because of his godly parent. The Bible said that uh, Timothy was the son of a certain woman which was a Jewish and believed, but his father uh, was a Greek. So there is a youth that is saved here, the conversion of Timothy, and this youth was brought up to naturally uh, uh, to learn about Christ and to know about Christ. And then if you go a little bit farther in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 13, there's a woman uh, that is converted by the name of Lydia. And Lydia, her conversion was different than what Timothy's conversion was. And what I mean by that, her coming to Christ, uh, uh, Lydia did not grow up naturally and learn about Christ. But if you look at verse 13, 14, and 15, you can read it when you go home. Uh, she is a woman that was led step by step uh, toward the truth. Amen. Now some uh, grow up in the faith. They grow up in church and they grow up under the shadow of the cross and, and they've heard the preaching of the gospel and they went to Sunday school and they have been taught the way of salvation and the way of Christ and they naturally learn uh, about how to be saved. And then there are others like Lydia that did not have that opportunity and did not know but thank God I'm glad the gospel leaves no one out. Amen? And step by step if you read just those three verses when you go home, uh, she is brought to the truth uh, of the gospel. And then there is our text this morning here, a man in verse number uh, 23 down to verse number 34 as we know him to be the Philippian jailer. And this man was granted a quick uh, and a mighty change uh, uh, from an old man to a new man uh, in a very moment. There was an earthquaking shatter uh, that took place that night in the midnight hour. Uh, God shook the uh, foundation of that prison and more so God shook the foundation uh, of that keeper that jailer, that jailer's soul amen uh, as we read where he come to Christ. And what I want you to see about that is that though all three of these uh, uh, came to know Christ, uh, every conversion uh, happened in a different manner. Every, listen, Timothy did not have an earth shaking earthquake uh, uh, experience like the Philippian jailer did. Uh, Timothy came to learn Christ just like all these young people will come to learn Christ uh, uh, just through uh, godly parents uh, uh, that was teaching the gospel and naturally learning the truth. Uh, I'm glad the gospel will get to every heart. We'll go to every doorstep. The gospel will save those that are young uh, and bring them out of a life uh, and save them from a life of sin. Uh, the gospel will go to those uh, like Lydia and they'll step by step will learn the truth at a certain age and then there are those that the gospel shakes the very sound the very foundation and the very recesses of their soul and instantly there is a change but what I want you to note this morning is the question is not this morning how were you saved but have you been saved amen you see this morning the question is not how were you saved but the question 
question is, uh, have you been saved? Uh, you see, how I got saved uh, and how you got saved uh, may be two totally different experiences, uh, uh, just like the three experiences we learn about in Acts chapter 16. Uh, but the common denominator is this, uh, is that Lydia got saved, uh, uh, Timothy got saved, uh, and the Philippian jailer got saved. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on that subject, on what must I do to be saved. Amen. What must I do to be saved? You see, when you take all three of these conversions and put them together, here's what they have in common. All of them heard the word of God. Amen. And all of them felt the sense of a need to come and to be saved. And all accepted Christ as their Savior. And all proved conversion in their life. Hear me well this morning. It doesn't matter if God saves you off a church pew or if He saves you off a bar stool. It takes the same grace of God. It takes the same faith to be saved when you're old just like it does when you're young. And grace may have brought you from sin or grace may have brought you out of sin but it's still the grace of God that brings salvation to all men this morning. And we cannot look at other people's experiences and say, well, what happened to them didn't happen to me that way. Because what happened to Timothy didn't happen to Lydia, and what happened to Lydia didn't happen to the jailer, and what happened to the jailer sure didn't happen to either one of them, amen, nor you and I. But along with all three of them this morning, I can raise my hand and say, I know as the choir is saying, I know I'm saved this morning. And when we come to our text this morning, I want to keep it simple. I want you to notice in verse 27 the awakening of the jailer and the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. Notice the announcement up to the jailer in verse 28. Uh, the jailer supposes that all the prisoners have fled and Paul cries with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm for we're all here. If Paul would have been crooked it would have been better for Paul for the jailer to have killed himself with the prison doors open. He could have easily escaped but Paul was an honest man because he was a saved man. And we see the awakening of the jailer, the announcement to the jailer. Notice the action of the jailer in verse 29. Then he called for a light and he sprang in and he came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. There's repentance, amen. If you want to know why Paul didn't tell the jailer to repent, because he could tell by his actions in verse 29, he's on his knees. And in the next verse, we'll see here the asking of that jailer as he said, Sirs, what must I do? do to be saved. What more would a man need to do to repent when he comes and he gets on his knees and it's not even the getting on the knees uh, it's just the submission of the soul to say what do I need to do to be saved. Friend that is a change of mind. Uh, that produces a change of heart. Uh, that produces a change of will. Uh, I'm telling you listen it doesn't matter if it's a jailer coming or if it's a seven year old child coming down this aisle and getting down here saying what must I do to be saved. I'm telling you when you get to the place where you have a knowledge of the truth you have an understanding of the gospel and you see your need to be saved and you want to be saved guess what you can be saved Paul looks at him and we see the answer to the jailer he said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved I want to just stay in verse 31 for a few minutes and I'll be through because the jailer in verse number 30, he asked a question that a lot of people ask. What must I do? 
to be saved? It's a single question, but it's a very simple question, isn't it? When you think about this question this morning, it is a serious question because it has to do with the soul of a man and eternity. And it is a spiritual question. He's not talking about the physical life being saved, but he's talking about being saved from damnation and from hell. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And if you're here this morning, if you are saved, then it's always good to be reminded of what a person has to do to be saved. And if you're here and you're not saved, and you don't know how to be saved then I want you to understand what you must do to be saved when we come to this text this morning I want you to notice in verse number 31 three simple things and I'll be through number one I want you to see God's plan in salvation he said in verse number 31 and they said notice here's our word believe amen believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved if you want to know what God's plan of salvation is. It is that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Not in good works. Not in good deeds. Not in water baptism. Not in joining the church. None of that this morning can ever save a soul from hell. Our faith cannot be in ourself. Our faith cannot be in an experience. But our faith must be in Jesus Christ this morning. And I see this man in verse 20, verse number 30, that he is a submissive man. Or verse 29, as he fell down before Paul and Silas. He is a searching man. In verse number 30, sirs, what must I do to be saved? But by the time you get to verse number 33, he's a saved man. This man did what the gospel said. He obeyed the gospel. He put his faith in the gospel this morning. That's what salvation is is. It's not trusting in yourself. It's not trusting in a feeling. It's not trusting in an experience. But salvation is putting your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. You say, Brother Gravely, when I got saved, I went to the altar and I wept. I'm glad you did. But that don't mean you got saved. I'm not saying you didn't get saved. I'm just saying your tears did not save you. I've seen people cry, and you have too. And I think they sincerely cried, but they didn't get saved. You say, well, I went to the altar and I had goosebumps. I'm a thousand percent believing that. Some people get goosebumps. Goosebumps don't make you saved. Believe. Believe. Do you believe the gospel this morning? And the Bible talks about uh, uh, intellect. Uh, you, what's the difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge? Have you ever wondered, how do I know this morning if my, if my faith in the gospel was just a head knowledge or a heart knowledge? We can answer that question very simple this morning. Uh, what is the difference between a head knowledge of salvation and believing? You, read, you stop a man out there and you ask him, do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe he rose again? in the third day and do you believe that if you'll ask Jesus to save you he'll save you if that man said yes to every bit of that uh, but he still didn't get saved what's the difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge I'm going to tell you what it is this morning it's a change of your will because works can never produce faith but faith in Jesus Christ believing the gospel will produce works 
I'm not talking about works of the, of the hand this morning and going out and just serving. I listen, anybody can fall into religion and serve. Amen. I'm talking about God working something in that will work on the outside. I'm talking about if you put your faith in Christ this morning, uh, that work of salvation will work. Amen. It's worked in you and it's going to come out. Amen. That faith that's in you is going to come out. You see, evidence uh, uh, that you believe then is that you're still believing right now. Amen. I'm telling you, I thank God I can go back, but I don't have to go back uh, 30 something years ago uh, to the day I got saved. You say, well, how do you know that the day that you got saved, you put faith in Christ? I'll tell you how I know, because I still got faith in him right now. I'm believing him right now, just like I was 30 something years ago. And evidence that I believe then is I still believe right now. I still believe Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. He's my Lord. He's a resurrected Lord. He's a living Lord. My faith is not in me. My faith is in not what I said. Then I can forget everything I said. But I can't forget what he said. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Brother Gravely, how do you know you say? Because I believe that. I believe it, I believe it with all of my heart, I believe that. So how do you know it's not in your head? I'll tell you how I know it's not in my head because I'm resting in it this morning. I'm resting in that. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't know anything about Ford vehicles. But my dad loved Ford vehicles. And my dad would say this, you're going to get a blessing out of this, Mr. Chevy over there. My dad would say this. He would say, Ford trucks are the best trucks on the road. That's what he'd say. First on race day. When I got saved, it became first on resurrection day. Amen. Y'all get that in a little bit. Chevrolet's cracked head, every valve rattles, oil leaks every time. You know that. Amen. We'll move on. But I'd go around. Uh, uh, I'd go around and, hey, some of them I can't tell you what they said. I'm going to tell you what, though, I, I, uh, I'd go around. You know what I'd say as a boy? Ford trucks are the best trucks on the road. I didn't even have a driver license. I never drove a vehicle. I couldn't work on a vehicle. But I'd tell, I mean, I'd get with my friends, and I'd say, now, they'd say Chevy. I'd say, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. Ford trucks are the best. They're the, they're the best vehicles out there on the road. You say, how do you know that? They'd say to me, how do you know that? I said, because my daddy said so. I didn't know a thing about Ford vehicles, but I knew I trusted what my daddy said. My faith wasn't in a Ford. Now, don't ask me if I still believe that because I don't want to tell you the answer to it. But my faith wasn't in Ford. My faith was in my father and what my father said. And I believe that if my dad said it, then it'd have to be true. The only problem with that is, is my dad's not perfect. He's, in, he's not infallible. And I'm going to tell you how I know I'm saved this morning. Because I believe what my father said. 
And the difference between my heavenly father and my earthly father is that my earthly father is not always right, nor am I, but my heavenly father is always right. Amen. My earthly father, uh, listen, has imperfections and he has limited knowledge, uh, but my heavenly father is perfect. Uh, He has no limited knowledge. Uh, Just like I was trusting what my father said as a child, uh, I'm trusting what my heavenly father said in this book. Uh, You ask me how I know I'm saved because the Bible tells me how to be saved and the Bible tells me what to trust. I'm not just trusting the plant but thank God I am trusting the person. Amen. I believe this morning faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say brother Gravely I want more faith. Read your Bible if you want more faith. I'm telling you well, how do I know if I have more faith? You'll feel better if you're saved. You know that. Think about this. The more you're in your Bible, is this true if you're saved? If you're saved, I know it's true, but let me ask you the question. The more you're in your Bible, the more secure you feel. That's about everything. Isn't that right? I don't advise you to do this, but go three days and don't read your Bible. You're not going to feel too secure about things. You're going to read things, hear things, and see things, and all kinds of thoughts are going to go through your mind. But the more you read that Bible, you know what it does? You say, why why do I feel so secure when I read my Bible? Because faith comes by hearing. It doesn't mean, you know, it's not, listen, it, you say, well, I already know those, some of those things. It doesn't matter. The more you hear it, the more you believe it. Amen. Yeah. The more you hear it, the more it secures it. Amen. The more you hear it, the more strength you're drawing from it. I know John 3.16 and you know John 3.16, but the more I read it, thank God, the more it just keeps building assurance on top of assurance. It just gives me that faith. It builds faith. I'm telling you, friend, the reason a lot of people struggle with their salvation is because they don't read their Bible, amen? And they're always living in doubt. They're always living in defeat. I'm telling you, if you'll nose up in that book, if you don't have the real thing, it'll tell you. And if you got the real thing, it'll tell you this morning because God's plan is he wants you to just trust him this morning. Do you trust him this morning? I trust him this morning. God's plan in salvation. Then notice God's person. In salvation. He said the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that, don't you? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of those words means something. Lord means that you believe in him as master. He is the master, isn't he? He's my master. And he's your master if you're saved. I believe he's Lord of the living and he's Lord of the dying. He's Lord of heaven and he's Lord of hell. He's Lord of the rich and he's Lord of the poor. He's Lord of the black man and he's Lord of the white man. He's Lord of the wise and he's Lord of the unwise. He's Lord of the guilty and he's Lord of the innocent. He's Lord of the bond and he's Lord of the free. He was Lord in the past. He's Lord in the present. He'll be Lord in the future. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, he's always been Lord. He always will be Lord. He is King of kings and he is Lord of lords and he is my Lord. And if you're saved, he's your Lord. And I believe in him as master this morning. Jesus tells us the word name Jesus tells us that we believe in him as a man. His earthly name 
You see, Lordship speaks of his, uh, his divinity, his sovereignty. Jesus speaks of his, his humanity. It speaks of his incarnation. Uh, Jesus is both uh, God and he's man. Isn't that right? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that Jesus, uh, he was more than a teacher. He was more than he was the son of man. Yes, but he's the son of God. Uh, and I believe that this morning. Uh, and listen, we believe Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, we believe him to be the Lord of heaven and hell but we also believe that he came to this earth and that my friend he came as a man and he lived as a man and he walked as a man and he spent 33 and a half years I believe that there's record that Jesus of Nazareth lived on this earth but the world just sees him as a teacher the world just sees him as an individual that actually lived here historically but we know he is the son of God in human flesh and human form he came to this world and he lived in this world and he died as a man for men. Do you believe that this morning? I believe that. My friend, when we think about the word Lord, this person has to do with believing in him as master. Jesus has to do with believing in him as a man. And then Christ. We believe in him as the Messiah. The anointed one. This morning, Jesus is not just a man. But before he came to this world, he lived in heaven in eternity past and he was the Lord of heaven. We believe that Jesus Christ was present on the day of creation when God said, let us make man in our image. Who is that us and that our? Who was those people there, those individuals that was there that day on the morning of creation? We know it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, Jesus was every bit as much alive on the morning of creation as he was the day that he came into this world born in Bethlehem and placed in a manger. I want to tell you this morning uh, uh, we believe that as believers this morning uh, and then we we believe that he came to this earth as I mentioned and that he lived and that he died as a man for all the sins of humanity and we believe he is the Christ, uh, he is the Messiah, he is the anointed one. What does that mean this morning? I'll tell you what it means. Uh, it means that we believe he came the first time but it also means we believe he's coming a second time. Uh, we believe that he's the anointed of God uh, and as Brother Laddie was testifying this morning, uh, we believe in this person uh, that he didn't just live and die and resurrect but we believe that Jesus is coming again amen he's coming isn't he you believe that I want to say this morning God's plan in salvation God's person in salvation then I want you to see God's promise in salvation and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I like this last phrase and thou shalt be saved this morning, it's the same promise to every sinner. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it does not say that that you might be saved or that you could be saved, but it says thou shalt be saved. Hey, that's a promise, isn't it? In John chapter number 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and a stranger they will not follow. He said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Boy, isn't that two good phrases right there? He said, I give unto them eternal. How long is forever or eternity? It's forever. 
And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater than all, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And here it is. Is Jesus God? Yes, he is, because he said he was. In that, and in verse number 31, he said, I and my Father are one. You believe that this morning? You say, where in the Bible does Jesus say he's God? Right there it is, John 10, verse 31. And he said that we would have eternal life and we would never perish. What a promise this morning. If you go over to, if you go over to uh, uh, John chapter 3, he said, whosoever, uh, that means anyone, whosoever believeth in me shall not perish but have eternal life for God. Why would God do that? Why would God give us eternal life? We're sinners. Uh, Romans 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why would God give us eternal life when we come short of his glory? Because verse 16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm telling you three times in three verses God said if you'll trust me God said if you'll put your faith in me I'll give you eternal life and I'll make you another promise not only will you live forever but you'll never perish. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you the difference between doubt and unbelief. Unbelief says I choose not to believe what you just said. Doubt says, I want to believe, but I'm struggling. What do you do when you struggle? I'll tell you what to do. Quit thinking about what you think about it. Won't you think about what God said about it? And just rest in it. Maisel Murdoch, I've heard her testimony. She was in heaven this morning. I remember her testimony so many times. She said she came to the altar and she struggled and she struggled and she struggled and she asked the Lord to save her. And when she got it settled was the day she got up and she just said, God, if I go to hell, I'm going to go to hell trusting Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And she said, and when I said that, she said, I never struggled no more with it because she said, I made my mind up. It's not up to me. It's up to him. Amen. I'm telling you, you're never going to say everything right. We're never going to do everything right. You can't go back and untangle, uh, listen, the past that the devil may try to weave. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can take this old black back book this morning uh, and you can rest on it today and you can rest on it tomorrow and you can rest on it a year from now. And when, the, my friend, the, the sweat uh, lies cold on your brow and it comes time to make the crossing, uh, I'll tell you he will not fail you he will not leave you nor forsake you if you'll trust in Jesus this morning he'll keep his promise he'll keep his word and he'll save your soul this morning if you know this morning listen to me do you know you're a sinner the Bible says we're all sinners I quoted a few minutes ago for all Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And the Bible said in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Why do we die? Because we're sinners. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You believe that, Ben? Faith in that book. And this morning, Romans 5 and verse 8, you say, preacher, what 